podcast where we discuss horror movies featuring children because parenting can be scary my people and kids are definitely creepy hi hi carol gosh (laughs) is it you can it be i'm mommy Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Uh. oh the leads of our feature today the people under the stairs mm. oh they just call each other they call each other mommy and daddy they do yeah very yucky they are but how are but you I, i'm great i i i will never know them as anything but big ed and nadine so shout to big ed and nadine what a fun reveal that was yeah, we're going to get into all this stuff about this crazy wackadoo movie, The People Under the Stairs. 1991. Wes Craven. Universal Pictures. <laughs> Here we go. But before we get into that, how are you doing, Josh? I'm doing pretty well. A little sweaty. So sweaty, so sticky. It's the, it's the time of the year where you just take a shower before bed. Not a hot, hot bath like young oh, Alice. Oh, I hated that. I, I did too. To I did it. too. I did too. Oh, poor Girl. Anne. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, you got to. Even me, a reluctant bather, will say, you got to take showers as often as you can these days. Very thankful for um, our little inflatable pool. Thankful to friends with pools. This podcast is dedicated to friends with pools. Friends with pools, we thank you. Use promo code MXD at checkout and you get a friend's pool. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, yeah, you just get it. It's yeah, yours. <laughs> yeah, you have to dig it out and move it, but it's yours. You can have it. That's nice. Um, I didn't, growing up, I had zero, zero friends with pools. I think really? that's true. Is that weird? No, that's not. Just, they didn't really use them that often. How strange. They didn't invite you over, you mean? Yeah. Hmm. I didn't have any friends or tons of pools. <laughs> you had friends and they were in their pools, but you were at home. <laughs> yeah. I was at home in my basement. Um, hmm. But I'm doing well, per your question. Um, it's, that's, that's been. I did have friends with pools and I swam in them often, just so you know. Great. <laughs> so happy for you. So proud. That we somehow, despite our differences, managed to find each other. It's incredible. It's a well, love, true love story. Don't get too excited. The My friends across the street, who've been coming up a lot recently in life, weird like stories about them popping up. I don't know why that is. Does that ever happen to you? Where you're like, why have I been talking about these people more than off, more than regular? I don't know. Absolutely. Yeah. So they've been coming up. And they're coming up right now. The Kellys had uh, an above ground pool. The worst kind of pool. Yeah. But... And I I am shocked that no one got seriously injured. And then when I moved away from that house, I uh, my uncle 
had a pool near my new house. So he has been kind enough to invite me to his pool. Yes. Only on my request slash <laughs> demand. Yeah. <laughs> you, were, me... you were providing childcare for our kids <sighs> while I swim in the pool. <laughs> I've seen the pool. It's a beautiful pool. Yeah. Can't say I've been in it, but it looks very refreshing. <laughs> it's in ground at least. Yeah, that's right. A real pool. Yeah. I would love to have a pool. We got into a conversation about how often do people with pools use pools. The data is not on the first page of Google when you try to look that up. What? See, this is a problem (laughs) with search engine optimization. Yeah. There's a bunch of, this is teddy bear pools and spas and Leslie pools all taking over that front page with their sponsored content. They just want Mm -hmm. you to buy a pool. Mm -hmm. They don't care about the stats because they just want to get you no, into a pool. It's big pool controlling yet again every Google search that I do with the word pool in it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, do not carpool with Carol. Um, I Oh, here's a thing. Here's a piece of news in my life someone in my graduating class just realized this should be our 20th high school reunion this year, 2020. Mm -hmm. And so just started the Facebook group, just started inviting people. And that's really late. And that's now July, I believe, if my calculations are correct. Yeah, you did. You can put the sundial and related instruments away. You're right, it is July. It's really hard to tell right now, so... Except for the stifling heat, which might make me think it's also September or October in yes. LA, which I am Thank excited you. to think about. It's also day 120 of quarantine. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, you might not think that it's that long, considering, like, you could have gone back to what you were doing at some point during this, but I haven't. I'm still a preschool teacher. For most of the day. That's right. And schools are officially online only in Los Angeles County in the state of California for 2020. So. Wait, it's the whole school year? Did they say that? I th- I don't know. I didn't oh, read it. All right. At least the fall. <laughs> um, okay. That's not what I was talking about. Though. I'm talking about my school, which ended 20 years ago. Okay. Let's get back to that. Uh, and these people... Who finally figured out we're about to, you know, we're supposed to like meet up at like the pizza shop on Black Friday or whatever the original plan was going to be. Totally. I figured we would end up on like a riverboat cruise of the Connecticut River or at Mohegan Sun or. uh, Lofty goals. Mm -hmm. You know, I don't know. I would imagine it would still be regional. It wouldn't Mm -hmm. be like a Vegas weekend. You didn't get elected to student council because you were just too. Oh, I was. Oh, why aren't you in charge of this? I stuff? don't know. I was member at large. Well, okay. You have no power. In I the... thought that was a fun position. That's why I ran for it. It, it does... just sounded funny to me at the time. It still is. It is funny, but it I has won. no. It it holds no power in the in the reunion. The, the, the decision making people are not members at large. Oh uh, yes, you're absolutely right. I don't even think it's student government that's in charge of this thing. Now. It is in my school. It should be. I'm saying this yeah. Facebook group doesn't seem to have that oh. quality about it. Are you sure you're on the right Facebook group? Is there another like in-ground pool situation Absolutely. happening? I, I always assume so. 
I was the, like the 100th person to know about the Amazing Uh So it's possible. We'll have a slip and slide. Um, it's just a wet tarp. It's just weird because it almost seems like they're trying to decide or basically say like, oh, well, this obviously isn't going to happen, but like, let's kind of make it look like someone was going to put something together. I don't know if it ever mm. would, but I would totally go to my 20. I intended to go. Yeah, I want to go to my next year. We'll I, see. But the the weird thing about reunions is I had a lot of friends in the grade above me. So I kind of wish I could go to their reunion as well. You know? Oh, sure. You know, when I go to mine eventually, it will be a little bit weird because a big part of my life uh, won't be at the reunion. But, you know, right. whatever. But that's not really the point. Yeah, it's just like what I remember from high school. It'll be like, oh, right. All those people weren't in my grade. Yeah, (laughs) it should be. This is what you remember of the very beginning and the very end of high school. Yeah. But yeah, I want to go. I mean, you can't. I don't know. It's weird not to go to those things, I think. Oh, I wouldn't not. I think any of the previous milestone ones just seemed too soon. And this feels appropriate. Like way more parents way more people like having settled into their things you want to go see every i actually do want to go see people i hope people go when it happens i also don't want to do the zoom equivalent oh god whatever no. the hell that's like a nightmare yeah that's like the last place i want to be is in like some weird breakout room with phil corkins i don't know <laughs> what's happening like i don't know how the they'd pair people off the point was to go like say at the springfield holiday Inn if it was going to be local with a couple of buds and that's it i think that there's going to be a lot of 21st reunions um 31st birthdays 41st 51st you know because there's no point in doing these things and attempting them right now yep i mean i know a lot of people are getting married over zoom I wouldn't have done that. <laughs> no, um, actually, a friend of mine just attended. She was supposed to be maid of honor at a friend's wedding, mm. and she attended remotely. But there were fifteen people in attendance. They were just local folks in New England who were able to attend, but they were in a field, so they're able to be physically distant. So someone like busy carried her around while the bride was getting ready all day, and then. Oh my God, and that's then, so like, weird. Said it was actually like fun, you know, that it turned out fun. And then someone just like held her up at the wedding so she could see the ceremony. Wow. Yeah. I mean, I think. It's like, yeah, it's as good as you can do. Yeah, exactly. It's nice for them at least that, that anyone was there. I appreciate people pushing through or people just kind of doing their thing as long as they're happy about it. But I, yeah, I would not have done a zoom wedding would have just waited but could have seen doing something like that something small but not yeah. where it was just the two of us or something um no offense I'm <laughs> taken i wouldn't have married you <laughs> i just said i wouldn't have done it that's fair you wouldn't even showed up <laughs> no yeah uh, i would have gone along like i was going swimming to. <laughs> at the in ground pool I, um how are you doing oh my gosh <laughs> crazy times we are living in i am i am well i uh i feel 
really great coming off the weekend. We had a nice productive weekend. We did swim in a pool, but we also uh, did some, you know, we, we always are talking here about the clearing out of all the junk. So that's what we did. It is time to clean house! Total spring cleaning. Yes. Yes, Nadine. We murdered some intruders. <laughs> oh, we didn't murder them. We tried and failed. We put them in the basement. Oh, that's right. Yeah, we just, <laughs> I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> Cut out the bad parts. Um, we, yeah, we've been, I feel like, I feel like I'm on an upswing right now of quarantine. Like, I feel like I have, I have like a positive outlook right now. And I don't know why that is. I think it's just bound to change any moment. You, you know, I f- feel like it's kind of hour to hour and definitely day to day. But really, it's it's just such a strange time. And news can come across your phone so fast that can change what you're thinking about, what you're feeling. It, it's I, There's so much to unpack about this time. <laughs> and this isn't the place to do it, but... I'm grateful that I've felt good lately. It was really fun watching Hamilton last week. Oh, yeah, we watched that. Yeah. You haven't heard of this musical program <laughs> called Hamilton. And it's about Alexander Hamilton. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's not about Hamilton, I don't know, someone's <laughs> like pig mascot. <laughs> or the capital of... Go ahead. <laughs> Bermuda. <laughs> yes, that's what I was going to say. Nice. And then I, got, I got really nervous. Nope. Josh is... Family hails from Bermuda, so I got really nervous that I was going to get that wrong, even though I've been there with him. Um, that was fun. Watched Palm Springs. That was great. Not that my whole life centers around watching movies, but I don't know. Like, we'd gone camping. Um, oh, yeah. We last... didn't talk about that. We went camping yeah, we went... over Fourth of July weekend. Yeah. And that was really refreshing. You know, camping is just such a lot of work, and I see why people don't like it. I really do. I get it. I happen to really like it, and I would say 52% of that is because you are my partner and you enjoy it, because I absolutely would never do it by myself. There's a lot of stuff I wouldn't do by myself, because mm-hmm. I just really, like, most traveling, I really enjoy doing that with people. I wouldn't drag anyone camping. That's I wouldn't for drag GD anyone camping, sure. but I didn't. I wouldn't do it by myself. Like the idea of putting up the tent by myself and like having a fire by myself and cleaning up by myself—that sounds terrible. It's just like a lot of work. That it's way much. It's way more fun if it's shared, and you can kind of like get into it. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's a different approach too. I think there's like a minimalist version of camping that if you were, there's, I don't think it would still be that fun by yourself. But like, even sometimes if it's just two people we talked about how even before kids we rarely went camping with just the two of us yeah and that's that much was more of a fun social activity yes that was really fun the last time we went camping by ourselves in big sur that was great it um, was but even then we still did it up like we still we oh, still yeah. eat well when we camp and we camp in comfort bring an air mattress and things like that where i think there are some people right. where it's more like okay we're gonna get around like the little single burner butane stove and we'll like heat up some oatmeal and that's what we're going to eat. Yeah. And then we just kind of hunker down in our tiny tent and fall asleep Mm -hmm. and that's it. Like that's, and then you get up and you go, you keep, you know, 
kayaking or whatever the hell you're doing. Yeah. Where like that sounds like it'd be a, a different, just like a different mode and could still be interesting, but just yeah. not. We like to kind of push the limits of how fancy we can get <laughs> camping. Yes. So yeah, but that just getting away for two nights was incredibly invigorating i have to say like and it went really well with the kids and if you can do it and you're campers and you've been on the fence about going during this time we had a great experience it was like the campsite that we went to was doing all the right things and if i felt far away from people even though the campsite was pretty crowded um like when people were even walking to the bathrooms they had masks on like i was a little bit worried about how it would all play out but we're also lucky that our kids still use like a little kids potty so we just brought that to the campsite yeah which is amazing for keeping them away from that bathroom at all times they really was only an emergency that we had to bring boo in there but otherwise they were able to steer right clear of it and we rented a boat (laughs) yep that's true like a party boat pontoon boat yeah which we did last year and had a blast so we did it again and uh brought the potty there too and the kids didn't have to you know like that because that was my main concern of like when they would have to really come in contact with anything else anybody else would come in contact with and um that was great and we went on a little nature hike with them and they're learning how to be good campers and I'm glad they don't they don't have to miss out on that part of their summers yep. this this year. Um so we're gonna try it again in August. Yeah. So anyway, the point is I'm feeling good right now. Yeah. But let's get into it's time. A couple things from the last movie. Yes. Um, just a little listener mail section. Yeah, and we're actually jumping back two episodes because of my slowness to post our first MXD libs up Mm. on our Instagram stories. We'll do another one this episode, and so then we can read listener responses in the following episode. But I'm going to read a listener response to our Rotten Tomatoes Mad Libs for the Wretched. Now, for anyone who missed that episode or doesn't know what it was, we made Mad Libs out of the Rotten Tomatoes film synopsis, which we will also be reading for the people under the stairs today. Um, and we posted it up as a fill in the blank on uh, Instagram stories. And this will now be the first time any of our listeners are hearing it with their own words in the full description because we never posted the full text. Hmm. Following his parents' separation, a stinky teenage boy, Ben, is sent to live with his father for the summer and work at the local The White House (laughs) in order to gain some form of discipline. Oh, political. (laughs) The dumb tourist town offers little solace for him, however, as he is forced to deal with the local naughty teens and his father's new fart. (laughs) Ben's problems grow increasingly disturbing when he makes a weird discovery about the family swimming the house next door. Well, a a smelly spirit 
from the my butt has taken a, <laughs> a hold of the chair and starts playing a sinister game of iPhone, preying upon the stars. Oh, that's a great YA novel. And wiping away any trace of their cats. Uh, <laughs> Ben's, Ben's suspicion of the supernatural cobwebs go unheeded and he launches a dark crusade in order to put an end to the uh, ear-fighting witch's reign of coffee, chilling and ridiculous. The Wretched offers a modern update to the sick young hero's mission like that of Weekend at Bernie's and promises to make viewers fake of... Yeah, viewers fake of every dark corner they encounter after witnessing its rage tale. I said it asked for an emotion. It's my first time trying to write a Mad Libs, I think, in a very long time. Shout outs to listener for uh, submitting some great responses there. (laughs) This is giving me mad respect for the Mad Libs authors out there. To be specific in, mm. I asked for a lot of adjective noun, that sort of just your parts of speech, mm-hmm. where I think they do a little bit more leading the the way to give you Sometimes, a little. Sometimes, like, yeah, part, like part of a body or something. Right, right, right. I only got in a couple of those towards the end, which was fun. A body part, a, uh, a movie title, an emotion, mm. uh, some things like that. And it's weirdly... You're not that far off with the weekend at Bernie's thing. And it makes me wonder if you'd watch the movie before. <laughs> or I mean, just the fact that it's like a summer fun, <laughs> um, you know, premise of him going to work at this boatyard in the first place. And then, yeah. you know, I guess. And the, you could write a college paper that you'd get a C minus on about the connections right. between the wretched and weekend at Bernie's. I, I think you could. I think you might get a C plus. Wow, that's pretty good. I mean, that's like failing in my book, but yeah, okay. I mean, it's better than I thought. <laughs> um, well, thank you for doing that, Josh. Um, oh, literally my pleasure. <laughs> <laughs> truly. Um, and if you decide to do more in the future, great. We'll, we'll, uh, we'll put them up on the Instagram and we will read them here. But Now it's time to read the synopsis for this week's movie, The People Under the Stairs. We are going to, we're slowly transitioning to Rotten Tomatoes format. It is better. It is less risky. It is better. Less fun. It is less fun. But then we'll make it into a Mad Libs movie. Um, But just for old time's sake, I'm going to read one summary from the internet movie database uh, where you can go for all your movie needs. Um, Got to check it out. They're putting a lot of great work over there. Just building this for the people. Yeah. Adequate, adequate work. I think that we've read synop- I think we've read summaries from all three of these reviewers before, and there's only three <sighs> Jojo Mac, China girl and Rob Hartill. I think those are all characters from Mike Tyson's Punch Out. <laughs> that might be what you're thinking of. Okay, right. Um, I'm going to read one right now. Okay. A young boy helps his sister's boyfriend burgle the house of their money grabbing landlord on the boy's 13th birthday. 
you know, I don't even actually have to read more. I just wanted to say burgle. Um, but <laughs> that's like a fun. Uh, that's like a fun little tongue twister. Yeah, that we should probably say before every podcast. A young boy helps his sister's boyfriend burgle the house of their money grabbing landlord. It's kind of like, mm, I'm, a little I'm, lyrical, like yeah, you're in Hamilton. Exactly, mm, very <laughs> Hamilton. Oh my god. Um, okay, but the first the house is a cross <laughs> between okay, that. No, no, stop! <laughs> Shut it down. Shut it down. Uh, um, but there is one that I also want to read here. I'm so sorry, but I have to. Um, Jojo Mac gives us this summary. Two adults and a juvenile break into a house occupied by a brother and sister and their stolen children. There, they must fight for their lives. The fuck? Jojo Mac is a narc. (laughs) (laughs) That just sounds like you gave an eyewitness description. Like, you're the (laughs) shitty neighbor across the street. Yeah. I like why bother? Why are you even bothering to do this? Why are you bothering to type the words? A ju- I don't know. I don't understand Jojo Mac. I'll Jojo understand. Mac was very thrilled though with that. There, comma, they must fight for their lives. Yeah, like he's trying to write the log line and the shittiest log line of all time for any movie ever. Okay, let's get down to it. I just want to tell you guys what this movie's about in case you haven't seen it. Here we go. Rotten Tomatoes. Here we go. Wes Craven wrote and directed this surrealistic horror comedy, which was inspired by a true story of parents keeping their children locked in a basement for years. Fool, Brandon Adams, an African-American teen, breaks into the home of the wealthy landlords who evicted his family from a ghetto tenement. Or who were about to. Yeah. Um, a fortune in gold coins is rumored to exist inside, but Fool discovers that the mansion is a chamber of horrors presided over by a pair of incestuous serial killer siblings, Everett McGill, Big Ed Hurley, and Wendy Robbie, Nadine, <laughs> Twin Peaks. The twisted couple has also tried to raise a succession of kidnapped boys. Each botched effort is handled the same way. The victim's eyes, ears, and tongues are removed and he's sent to live in the sealed-off basement where a colony of similarly deformed brothers resides. In quotes, brothers. I don't know why. Because none of them are siblings, and they're not the parents of anyone, I guess? Yeah, but it's just funny, because in the movie, he's like, you never seen a brother before? And so they're, they're all white right. down there. Anyway. Fool is able to avoid the evil lovers as he moves through the house's maze of hidden passageways. He discovers that the occupants have a daughter, Alice, AJ Langer, shout out, Rayanne from My So-Called Life, who has survived their abuse. So he rescues her and they attempt to free the people under the stairs. Woohoo. Yeah, that is, yeah, that, that's mostly there. I actually don't think that they cut out the eyes, ears, and tongue of everyone under there. I think it no. was a see no evil, hear no evil, speak no evil thing, where it's like whatever your crime was, yeah, like whatever I, transgression was, that's what they removed. So Right. Like, if that was unclear in this summary, it's not all three. It's just whichever one was the bad part. Cutting yeah. out the bad parts. And I just mentioned their names because I will probably call them Big Ed, Nadine, and Rayanne throughout the this podcast so 
Yes, as opposed to <laughs> their actual names. Well, the only the only names they technically have in the movie are are man, woman, and right. Alice, right, or, right? And they call each other mommy and daddy. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that that's other that otherwise feels pretty good. Um, it's kind of weird. It felt like everything that I read about this called um, Big Ed and Nadine the stars of this movie, which is kind of interesting because huh. it is so clearly Fool's movie. Dexter's. Yeah. Fool is the protagonist. Yeah. Like, and I mean, yeah, and he, I mean, he is a. He's the lead. Yeah, he's the, it's, a, he's it's the, his story. His story, without <laughs> it's question. His journey. Um, it's it's just kind of uh, strange, but yeah. Otherwise, I, had you ever seen this movie before? I had not seen it. I had not. I literally knew nothing about it. I didn't even realize the Wes Craven movie until, and I love the Freddy movies. Mm-hmm. What's crazy is. This came out in 1991, and for a little context, I believe the fifth Nightmare on Elm Street installment had already come out by the time this movie was in theaters. So it's also, and any of you have seen those, like they get more kind of insane, like ridiculous and somewhat silly, like the longer they go on. Of course, Wes Craven later did the Scream movies, like- he is very much a horror comedian. He really likes it, which is yeah. weird. Like that. I think at least like there's always some element of dark comedy mm. in his movies. And yeah, it's not just straight up horror. Yeah. Except for the original Nightmare on Elm Street. Probably. Yeah, I think so. And like, yeah, and there's definitely like some like incredibly disturbing stuff in some of the other ones, but like they all kind of have this like, yeah, kind I of mean, plucky sensibility and like before this, and like I think even before Nightmare on Elm Street, it was The Hills Have Eyes and Last House on the Left. That sounds right. Yeah. And those are just like more like torturey. Yeah, like more Texas Chainsaw, just like backwoodsy people kind of torturing mm-hmm. women. And as far as I remember. It's been a long time, but then it it definitely turned towards towards more satire and comedy, and then Scream is just like a whole play on the genre. Yeah, I mean, and pretty interesting. I, like suburban life is definitely like a, also feels like a part of his mm-hmm. you know, family. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and kids. I mean, right? It's Nightmare on Elm Street. It's mm-hmm. all about the kids, and mm-hmm. and also really like the ineffectual nature of parents which is kind of an interesting thing given this right pocket like they're not able to do anything to really save their kids in um the nightmare on elm street mm-hmm. series they're um yeah it's very it yeah, yeah yeah um i would say teens more than kids really sure yeah yeah he doesn't really yeah and i think rightly so though like puts these like teenagers in very like adult situations which feels mm-hmm. accurate as a teen mm-hmm. where you're kind of like i'm on my own like right. i felt like that's very very accurate um yeah but this is i mean there's a couple other i there's a couple of like film things that this made me that this made me think of where like i kept 
reading that bit about this was based on a 1978 real story right about two guys two black guys who who burglarized burglarized a house in los angeles Mm -hmm. and after they had left the house when the cops came to to check the place out they found kids locked in yeah rooms in the house but what was wild is no no older recent reference that i've found like no one sourced this article like you would think that would be the kind of thing that by 2020 someone would have like unearthed the actual thing and maybe it's something i just missed yeah because i read i read where it was from it was like in the santa monica chronicle oh cool yeah somewhere in my reading of this i will try to find it that'll be a great thing for show notes i'd love to read that Mm -hmm. because i kept thinking like well it was pretty hard not to think of the, about this like it was reverse home alone and i think home alone came out like the year before or something mm. so it's not really i don't think it's something they would have written as a response to it but it doesn't seem like that would make sense on like a timeline thing no because he i read that he like had this story and wrote about it in a different script but then didn't really have like the ending he wanted um, well, this is the other thing. The ending, I couldn't help but think about Do the Right Thing, which only came out two years before, mm-hmm. but kind of like in this, obviously then Do the Right Thing is very iconic and much different in some ways, but like something about like the whole community kind of coming out into the streets and like, um, I had pulled up Ruby's little, like her speech at the end mm-hmm. but um i'll play that speech in a, in a second but like the the other weird thing is like the end title song is called do the right thing and that kept singing to me i guess it was actually written for the movie do the right thing but was rejected oh. um wow. in, in favor of fight the power famously but like it what it just makes it it's kind of weird it's just weird like i couldn't find anything about like it's such a specific spot that this movie seems to occupy. We can talk about, I mean, obviously like messages about race and class and gentrification throughout this movie that I think are all like handled pretty well, especially for the time, like with, you know, a couple of, I think change worthy exceptions, but like it was yeah, pretty interesting. And I wouldn't have been surprised if at some point it was like greenlit as sort of like, a genre film response to like or you know like reaction to Mm. the success of a movie like do the right thing or maybe greenlit or fast-tracked because of Mm, the weird success of home alone being this like what a weird it just so it is a strange (laughs) it's like a strange movie i wish i had seen it at the time i could see being like horrified by this movie and not understanding it's supposed to be funny Mm -hmm. or like so many things about this movie if you'd seen it as a as a kid because that would have been i remember it from video stores right yeah um i agree with all of that i would have probably been i I probably would have been freaked out by it if i had seen it at the time, I mean, yeah, would have been like eight years old, but <laughs> <laughs> oh, totally. But that's like right when it started, like when we started to see. That's I true. think that's like 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Where I started to like try to watch horror movies in in earnest at all because like because right. part of it was like almost like a dare. At the time, you'd hear about horror movies and like kind of like things that happened. Be like, have you ever seen a Jason movie or something? Right, <laughs> right. That kind of thing. Um, I'm not sure. I feel like this movie was not. It did not really work to be about those things, even though those things were at play. Mm-hmm. Like, I read a an article that I will link to, but like comparing it with tales from the hood and how like you can oh, watch that and be like oh my god all of these things are still happening this is so depressing this is um this is like really poignant um still and <laughs> in fact the the article starts and it says um one of the most memorable lines in shutters horror noir a history of black horror is that for black people, American history in general has been one long horror movie. And it's like in tales from the hood, it kind of feels that way. Like this is what it was about. But right. this, I don't think that I don't think it succeeds because of how strange it is. Um, in some respects with, with, uh, with the mommy and daddy character. Mm-hmm. I, d- I don't think that it really works i don't know if they were i don't think he was trying to make it that much of a statement and they even quote him in this um in a book about uh about west craven and this is west craven talking the kids going up against man and woman are representative of small groups standing up to larger groups. The house, with all of its claustrophobic spaces and hiding places, stands for civilization run amok. The generations that have lived in it and have gotten more and more crazy until the present one is totally locked in madness. It compares the two sides of normality and abnormality and shows how they interlock. In this piece, the family of the young apprentice apprentice burglar is much more intact in the normal and normal than this bizarre semblance of a family that lives in the mansion and it's quite mad. And it's like, I don't think he was trying to make this great statement about like wealth redistribution and like, and even, and even religious stuff. Like they, they're, they're super religious and it just doesn't strike the chord. I don't know. It's just like kind of, they're just so wacky. And so like, what I would have liked to see, like knowing all these this and my issues with the movie, um, I would have liked to have seen your first look at them as attempting to be normal or attempting to be something as like some kind of veneer. But the first time you see them, like he's eating what's clear, clearly like a rib cage, like he's eating this giant, you know, thing of meat off the bone and it looks like an animal's rib cage but you know find out way, later very soon very soon it's... and like she's sewing and acting so unhinged and the daughter's super scared and it's like you've already so from the jump they're just really crazy there's yeah they're they're really like if they're supposed to be this portrait of like the conservative voter, like, yeah, there's a lot not... of that. It's like, it's Ronald and Nancy Reagan, which yeah. is like kind of a fun, uh, like 
that's ice like a really fun thing especially at that time and like you would have just had george w bush or george hw bush sorry his one term of president would have been wrapping up mm-hmm. it's kind of an interesting yeah theory but it does it does like fall he, apart pretty quickly like it would have been way cooler if it was like here's here's like the perfect 50s tv household or something mm-hmm. kind of thing that you just watch them fall apart as like even though like they're if all the other same things hold that they are trapping these kids in their house and it would just be that like roach slowly emerges as like needling at them and whatever else and mm-hmm. then maybe it's like fool like coming in there that's like completely is throwing it all off they can't handle like the whatever the change the uncertainty the right fill in the blank yeah and i like it doesn't have to be that way because nothing it doesn't all have to be this statement but if that's what and it doesn't seem like that he was trying to make a big statement i think it really was just like oh it's going to be an oppressed group of people standing up you know like a a little you know underdog story i don't think he was trying to it, it seems from what he said in in these articles that i've read like he wasn't really going for that mm-hmm. so it doesn't have to be like it, well I, i'm just saying i like how weird they are and i don't i'm not saying i want them to change but they but it just felt very like there was no arc to it there was no like oh like they're 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 into S&M, what? You know, it's yeah. like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. Like, yeah, that was revealed a little too early on for my taste. And I like that stuff slowly revealed over time. And um, I've, I felt that too. Or like, yeah, the, the cannibalism. There's all these like layers to it that that can work either they can even, it can even all work together. It's funny that you, the, yeah. the thing you mentioned about like Tales from the Hood, because I, yeah, at one point, think while we were watching it, I was like, oh, this would work great in an anthology series. Like, it'd be yes. perfect if this was like 30 minutes long and like you kind of, and you did have like this mad, like kind of cat and mouse game inside the house. Yes. And then you can see all this stuff in rapid succession, but sort of like, you know, that many head injuries, that many, <laughs> you know, like. It was so long. This movie was so needlessly long, and they spent so much time chasing um, so many people through the house and through the walls, and, and it, it didn't seem to escalate. They just kind of hit you with everything right up front. Like, they are religious, salad, creepy mommy-daddy relationship, have a girl upstairs but all these people downstairs they're cannibals they're s&m it used it's to like be a funeral home used to be a funeral home it's like okay 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 mm-hmm. like <laughs> it's booby trapped like even the fact that he goes straight into the basement that yeah. that fool does when he shows up and then immediately like the stairs turn into a ramp yeah like all that stuff it's just like slow it down yeah slow like slow it down build it and also make it like 20 minutes shorter. I don't know. This movie's a mess, but it was it was fun. And um there's a lot of fun little facts about it too. Um so a character that's not mentioned in the uh in the synopsis is Roach. And Roach is like the, 
one of the imprisoned teens, the mutilated teens that has somehow gotten loose within the walls. And the and the, and the space between the walls of this house is are pretty generous. It's almost like a house within a house. Yeah. There is something, even that would have been a cool thing to play with. Like, mm-hmm. Maybe it's even a magical space. You're not really sure. That's yeah, like a Winchester, kind of Winchester home thing. Yep, yeah, like exactly. these, these crazy rich people just kept building and building. Mm-hmm. Well, I guess Wes Craven was developing a TV series based on this when when he passed away. Oh, okay. So I keep thinking about this because I do have a sequel pitch. Um, but Roach, yeah, is like has, has is liberated somewhere between the basement and uh, the upstairs, and he helps them out. And I thought he was played by the actor who played Mouse in The Matrix. He is not. He, what? It's not. I t- yeah, no. Oh my god. No, 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 no. It's not him. That's crazy. Yeah, it's um he he's been in a billion things that actor. I think it was this is his first role and he was like 27 playing he's supposed to play a teenager. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know what's funny? I think I saw that and didn't it di- I still assumed it was the guy who plays Mouse in Matrix. I had yeah. didn't bother to look. Yeah. <laughs> um but Hillary Swank auditioned for the role. What? Oh my god! <laughs> like what? Will, what is she? She's capable of anything. That one. They should have given it to her. I think again with my like notes on how I would have changed this movie. I would have really liked to see that character played by a woman because then it would have been like this weird mirror for Rayanne slash Alice as like you're. Like, this could be you if you're not careful, kind of like, but I'm going to help you and, you know. Yeah, I don't want you to end up like me. And 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 Fool could have been confused at some point. Like, is it her? Is it her? Who is it? You know, like. Ooh, kind of like a twinny sort of Yeah, thing. like. Uh, but. Oh, that's very, very clever. Poor mm. Hillary Swank didn't get to be in this movie. Um, Man. Nor did Mouse. Oh. Uh, yeah. So, that it was a, a very strange role to play all of the mutilated teens were very very strange not scary at all not in the least little bit (laughs) yeah did you think so i agree okay (laughs) no i thought that they were like it it felt that part felt weirdly half-baked i mean i did see that like this movie was outrageously successful given how much they spent on it it was Mm -hmm. six million dollars to make and they made it back in the opening weekend yeah so like it was a big hit um and it's and so like but it, it does feel weird after this many nightmare on elm streets nightmares on elm street that <laughs> that he wouldn't have like a makeup artist that owed him a favor just seems a little weird like they, yeah. it felt it felt super underdone it just really looks student filmy. It looks like when like friends in college made zombie movies you know yeah it was I think maybe they were trying to go for like the, they were trying to show just with the makeup that they had had parts cut off of them, but it was very difficult to show. Mm -hmm. Like if you're showing that somebody's eyes have been cut out, they do, it just looks like a bad mask, you know, like it. Mm -hmm. And then if, you know, like his tongue getting cut out, like that was gross. That was gross. That was super gross. And I was saying I'd never seen it. I couldn't can't remember a time seeing it depicted where like they actually try to stick out their tongues to mm. you. I'm reminded of Titus Andronicus, but I don't know if you actually see it if it's just like bloody mouth. Oh yeah, I don't mm. remember. 
I was also surprised they weren't zombies. I thought that was going to be the connection to the funeral home aspect of this is that like they had been reanimating corpses, not stealing children. It, it was like a weird yeah. through line. It wasn't even like, oh, they've been drinking embalming fluid and that makes them insane or something. It was just it more was... like incest over decades. He makes some really mm. gross like crotch grab thing at the end towards Alice, like when she's like supposed mm. to be tied up on the chimney in the attic. Yeah. And that's <laughs> God. Like thank maybe God it's just... honestly they didn't like go there in this movie. Oh yeah. I think then. it's maybe they were all supposed to be red herrings. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, which is all that even that's kind of interesting. If it's like oh, here's a bunch of stuff, like you decide <laughs> if this is <laughs> interesting Um, but like something i had read just to talk briefly a little bit more about like these um kind of social messages in the movie as much as like there was sort of like the reagan-y ronald nancy reagan comparisons to them as a as a couple the better analog was would actually be the donald sterlings and donald trumps of the Mm -hmm. era like the slum lords yeah it was even interesting that their house was so obviously dilapidated outside and in. Like, if you're really trying to send a message, it probably would have had, like, a rotten inside or something. and would have had the appearance of... It wasn't dilapidated. It was just old. Oh, it's, like, it wasn't... It was just, like, Victorian. You know, like, there was a lot so. of, like, old stuff. Because I don't think it was, like, in disrepair. <laughs> I love at the end how, like fool escapes and like falls into this pond and then when he comes back to like save alice she's like he drained it and put broken glass at the bottom of it like it just like it was so ridiculous within like an hour and a half now i mean who knows how long that's time has elapsed there who knows at the time i actually like that i like that the pond was full of rocks and broken glass but they don't show it she just says it yeah and yeah it's like okay all right. Well, <laughs> yeah, like it would have been pretty cool if he tried to slide down the roof and had to be like hold yes. on to the railing and like swing down a little bit or something. Yes. Um, or was, she has to pull him up or that, one of the boys does. That was a that was a moment in the movie. Where it was like, that is this movie. Like mm-hmm. you're just doing all this weird stuff that like you had an opportunity. And yeah, it, yeah I don't know. But um, well, even if he wasn't trying to make a statement about race, he succeeded in making one. I think that like that has value like because uh, unlike here's what it felt like watching the movie we're watching it and I'm thinking this is relevant right now because we feel trapped inside of our house <laughs> and you know we were looking for movies that are more diverse then by the end when the sister shows up you know trying to help fool and she's like what are you going to do shoot all of us mm-hmm. And then there's like money raining out of this uh, exploding house. And all of a sudden I'm like, oh, I'm watching a very topical movie here. Wow, this is so interesting. <laughs> like, right. But it did not, from what Wes Craven has said in interviews, it seems like it was a broader thing about powerless people. He just chose this backdrop because it's true. And that's fine. But I I imagine if you're a white male filmmaker that's what you're going to say in interviews. You know what I mean? Because you don't want to be making this. It's all, yeah. I mean, and it's also very like colorblind 90s to say, oh, it's just about like haves and have nots or something Mm -hmm. else rather than getting in the stuff with 
all like the cops basically being ineffectual, right? Like showing up in the driveway and just basically being more concerned with like the house being broken into than like, uh, where are the owners to this van? (laughs) Like they were just kind of like, Oh, maybe we'll go around. We'll see if we can catch him. So go inside and lock your doors Yeah, and all that. And there is a lot of like side comments about like the neighborhoods turn, you know, going, Mm -hmm. going Mm -hmm. wrong or those kind of dog whistly things, which are obviously have to be intentional. Yes. I'm not saying they're not intentional. I'm saying that they were not, that wasn't why he made this movie. Right. He wasn't necessarily going out of his way to say, like, I've got to tell yeah, it like was, a racing class right. it was story. More, yeah. And it, it was, also is kind of sad to me that like at the end that Fool doesn't also Dexter is a totally fine name. I'm a little unsure of why everyone called him Fool. Because like he just seemed like everyone knew that he was really smart. It was like an ironic nickname, like a calling a big guy tiny. Right. And it was based on the tarot card reading, but like that didn't come up again. No, and even yeah. that, like in the beginning, and she was like, "Oh, there's you, there's fool," but it was like, "Oh, that's what we call you." How crazy that your card came up is kind of how. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, it's kind of a shame that he didn't just get like a Robin Hood moment, like oh, I'm gonna show back up with like bags of cash, mm-hmm. or like that it becomes this thing rather than like it has to like literally explode out of the house and like people are catching it as it's raining down. Feels a little, whatever. Well, maybe Can- that takes the blame out of it, so they're not stealing it. They're not stealing the money. Okay. You know? Yeah. Should I play Ruby's speech at the end? Sure. Because again, it's like if Wes Craven wrote this, which is weird. My name is Ruby Williams, and I represent the association of people who have been unjustly evicted, exploited, and generally fucked over. What? You and your brother are landlords of over 50 buildings in this city, all of which you've allowed to deteriorate into rat-infested hellholes, while you guys get rich charging ridiculous rents. Then, you evict anyone the minute they can't pay rent so you can tear down their home and build some more office buildings. Ain't that about right? None of your goddamn business! I cut Kill this. the little bugger! Then the grandfather comes and knocks on the door. Police! We have reports of gunfire! If you do not open this door, we'll break it down! my property just want to finish saying our piece ma'am not only are you bad landlords but ten times worse you stolen the tooling from our community for your own sick needs there's no community here all i see are a couple of hey ruby right here is that right busted your ass bitch yeah what are you gonna do shoot us all and I, all I'm saying is that's not what this movie is about. Like it's an overlay and it's and it works and it's great. But like when you think about this movie, you're not thinking about like the social. That's a small part of this movie. The main part is this crazy couple yeah. chasing like it's not throughout, you know, like that is that's good. I think it works, but like it's not the what you remember about the movie. Whereas like a movie like Get Out is that that is what it's about right it, it, are the are the racial themes you know yeah i guess so i mean i still feel like not being able to not have being able to do this in the shadows like the whole community coming out to just be like we're going to get them because also like the cops did nothing the cops went inside did nothing like i mean yeah it all feels like a 
that it's a part of it. But I feel you that like, especially because it spends 80 minutes inside the house, like you don't even meet his grandfather until the last like 15 minutes of the yeah, movie. That's, that's what I'm saying. It's, and that's why it doesn't, I think have the lasting power of like, wow, what a powerful movie about. Oh no, no, no. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think so. I think more, it works as a theme. It works as a piece of the movie or especially like as far as seeing representation on screen that I imagine probably stuck with a lot of like kids at the time too, who probably were feeling like, Oh, this movie gets it. If you were young Jordan Peele seeing this, you'd probably be like, Oh, that's I'll tuck that one away. Like that. That's a sure. Yeah. I'm not, and I'm not saying that it doesn't have value. I do think that this movie has its place in the horror movie canon, even though it is so hokey and so funny at times. I I feel like as I was watching it, I was like, is this a joke or is this important? Or, you know, like I'm trying to put myself back in the nineties watching it whenever, you know, you're dealing with makeup issues and stuff like that. It's like, Okay, and you're a kid watching it or a teenager, you know, a younger audience. And I do think that for what it is, there like it's it is important. And even if he wasn't trying to make it like a huge statement or like and it isn't memorable for that, it's still watching it, I was pleasantly surprised. Like, oh wow, okay. Well, this has more of a deeper element to it. But it was also kind of a mess. So I I do think it could be remade. I think there there's a lot in here that's really, really good, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah, but I feel like when I think about this movie, I'm going to be thinking about Big Ed Hurley in a gimp suit. Yeah. Which with a shotgun. <laughs> which apparently Quentin Tarantino did too. I saw that little piece of trivia that uh-huh. that's why... There's the gimp in Pulp Fiction was what? because of like that image in this and which is a scene that Ving Rhames is also ah. famously in. Right. That, uh, I don't know if there's any like connection beyond there, but mm-hmm. like what a weird thing. And also like way to overplay your hand so early in this, as I've already said. But um, I know as we were watching it, it was like. You, this could be a great couple's costume if you were in the suit with the shotgun and I, or the, you know, the woman were the, were the woman with really badly drawn eyebrows, but who would get that reference? Cause this movie is so oh my God. weird and I don't know. You'd I, have to be at like a Fangoria festival, like some kind of convention or something. Yeah. It would be a real... It would be really nice to get the people who would get it. And that is sometimes enough for us with our couples. That's costumes. true. I will not buy a gimp suit or make a gimp suit. for. Uh, <laughs> I don't want to see that. I I really don't. No, no. It's not worth it. But other people. Also for the propositions else. you'd inadvertently receive throughout the night. It wouldn't oh be worth God. it. Oh my God. No, 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 no. But you are the right height. Perfect. <laughs> 
We'll do Big Ed and Nadine. That's a more fun one. Yeah. It's so weird that they cast them like off of Twin Peaks. When does that happen? When do you see a couple or a duo of any kind in a show and you're like, let's get exactly them to be in exactly our movie. You know what I mean? That's like, so true. It's so weird. Yeah. Like post the wire, you just see everyone from the wire sure. in literally everything. And they'd often be in things together it was clearly like someone was like obsessed with that ensemble and mm-hmm. would cast 50% of it. And then, but then, yeah, it was never that kind of pairing. It was never like, oh, these partners were so fun. Let's make sure we have them. They had the perfect chemistry. Um, (laughs) Well, Wendy Robbie, the woman who plays Nadine and woman, uh, said that this was one of her favorite roles and she had the most fun of any film shoot. I could see that. I mean, sure. This seems like... It's just bananas, the whole thing. I don't know. (laughs) It's like... It's a house full of traps and you're rooting for the intruders and you. But her role specifically is so like. And she gets to scream and. Just I don't yell know. burn in hell. Yeah. I would love to see a supercut, a burn in hell supercut. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. If we didn't have kids, that was what I would have done with my time before mm-hmm. making this podcast. And then you'd be like, why am I listening to a parenting podcast with someone who has no children why are you listening to a parenting podcast we need to talk about the parenting there's not a lot there's not a lot in here right but i do want to say something that struck me about fool's parenting as his mom is dying of cancer and his sister and her boyfriend are taking care of him to an extent letting him go do this burglary letting him burgle the mom is like just take care of the kids to him as as she's like drifting in and out of consciousness, like really yeah. in bad shape. And he knows that it's all on him, that all of this, and, and it says it's his 13th birthday, but he looks really young. And I know that that's like a common old person thing to think and say, but he does look really young. <laughs> like he looks significantly younger than Alice. Yeah. I thought. Yeah, that's true. And I, it might be that he was playing his actual age. Might be. I should have looked that up. It's, you know what? I did see that she was 17 playing a 12-year-old. Yes. Uh, he, yeah, he was 12. That's cool. Yeah. So that's, yeah. I guess it's just when you're in a movie where not everyone's doing that. Um, yeah. But so my... I was thinking about how financial struggles affect kids and how you want to be like my parents never talked about their money problems with us, Mm -hmm. even though they were they were struggling, you know, like there were there were issues and there were things that they were they were dealing with. And we knew we knew that there were even though it wasn't like um I ever wanted anything right like we I didn't grow up thinking that we were poor even any anything like that like we always had everything we needed and wanted really like we didn't go on like crazy vacations but you know as a child I felt very stable Mm -hmm. but I did know that they argued about money so I knew that that was when they split up I knew that that was part of it like 
Mm. from also from talking to my older sisters but like it was apparent right and um so i'm always i'm thinking about like in my life and my kids i'm thinking like how do you how do you talk to kids about money without stressing them out mm-hmm. or how do you make a child understand the value of money when they are so they're they're so taken care of you know because like you know with our with our kids i mean they have six grandparents always sending them stuff they're they are they want for no toy right like it's it's amazing and we're so lucky but how do you you know how do you start to have those conversations because with all of this stuff it's proving that it's really never too early you know with yeah with racism sexism (laughs) Like mm-hmm. any of this stuff, it's like you need global to be global pandemics. Global pandemics. <laughs> Wu said the other day, "What if the cold never stops?" Now he's getting there, and I'm like, oh. "I'm like, it'll stop. It's it's going to stop." And he's like, "But how will you know when it stops?" And I was like, "Now." Yes. <laughs> Welcome to the darkness, my son. Well, he had just gotten shots at the doctor so i started to talk about a vaccine a little bit mm-hmm. you know like once there's a vaccine ay, 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 but man so yeah but with global pandemics you know like um boo at two and a half certainly doesn't know what covid is per se but he knows there's a cold going around he knows that he for sure knows that you can't go on the playgrounds right now mm-hmm and they also know about the people breaking the rules going on the playgrounds. Oh, yes, they do. They are so mad at those people. And they should be. And I confirm. Because they're feeling our rage like you or like you felt your parents arguing about money, even though it wasn't apparent. They're they're feeling yeah. us bristle. Mm-hmm. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Lawbreakers on swings. Right. As they should. I mean, I think the kids are kids should be encouraged to call that out. In, mm-hmm. in these times, these wacky, wacky times. But anyway, I was sad for young fool, young Poindexter, because no child should have to burgle a home and find coins. Oh, my gosh. A great fun fact that I almost didn't say. The coin fool pulls out of Spencer's hand is real. It is known as an American gold eagle and contains one ounce of 22 karat gold. It would have been worth approximately $708 in 1991. Dang. This is all on on the internet movie database. What do we say? They're doing a lot of good work out there. You got to check them out. Support them. Click on those advertisers and, you know, subscribe to IMDb Yeah, Pro. I'm getting I'm getting an ad here for uh, Energizer AA batteries. So, you know, they got my number. <laughs> We need triple A's right now, actually. So, um, get some Duracells. If um, he leaves that house with like a little stack of coins, though, which is at first, yeah, is it that just those would have paid for it, or is he saying like I can get you more? Oh, interesting. Maybe I don't know. Was, I, I don't. think it was like, hey, here's our fortunes made. Like, here's a decade's worth of rent mm. plus medical bills. Yeah. Yeah. But I just didn't know if he was saying that in response to like just those couple coins. That's what I thought. Yeah. yeah. But hey. Um, it's okay. Like yeah. what could they possibly be made out of three coins with whatever? Yeah. That's true. Or how rare could they really 
Unless she really just had, she had like melanoma and she could have just gotten the right. thing cut off of her. and tired during this scene <laughs> at home. Um, oh. uh, yeah, the money thing's interesting. I've had that growing up as well. And I think I've heard good things about really starting allowance quite young, which seems unnecessary during these times and in so many ways, but that the big thing the big thing that's a, it's supposed to instruct the kind of three principal ways that you use money, which is to save, to buy things you want and for others. And so like this principle that let's say your allowance was $3 for the sake of this example, you would put a dollar in a savings account, a dollar you can spend on whatever you want and you'd have a dollar that is for other people. So it might mean, you're going to buy yourself a Hot Wheels and you're going to buy your friend a Hot Wheels mm-hmm. and the other one goes into savings. Or maybe it does mean if you're a member of a church, you put in your collection plate or it goes to a charity you support mm-hmm. or something else like that. That That's kind of the way to look at it so that that way kids don't immediately see. Like I just remember as a kid like doing the math of like, well, if I made $50,000 a year, I'd be able to do, you know, like I'd have this car, I'd buy a house like that. You know, like I just remember thinking, you're thinking about the the pre-tax math mm-hmm. of in a fantasy world where like you have no, no other obligations, there's no rainy mm-hmm. day funds, there's mm-hmm. no Netflix subscription or whatever else. How you gonna watch that noggin, huh? How you gonna watch yeah. that sweet, sweet Paw Patrol kid? Let me tell you, you gotta pay the piper. <laughs> All right, I'm gonna give you. Piper's three... a new pup, by the way. <laughs> I'm gonna take. I'm gonna give you three dollars for doing your chores. By the way, it is not an allowance. An allowance shall not be had in our house. It shall be a chore-based. You work for your money situation. That's what my allowance was oh. as a kid. It was chore-based. I had a chart. I had to do and would. It was a little coloring thing. I'd color things in as I did my chores. Yeah, that's great. And I, you'd also only get what you get for those chores. Mm-hmm. So like it was like 10 cents of a quarter or whatever. And That's good. Yeah. And so they could it could total up to mm-hmm. maybe $5 or something like that. I had 50 chores to do. God, it's $240 a year. Five bucks? Jeez, five bucks a week? I don't know. I don't remember what it was. It might have been a dollar. I'm just saying. It's true. Could now it would have to be. It was certainly, it couldn't be a dollar. You can get away with that shit. Um, <laughs> but I I would like to do some more research on how to handle mm-hmm. money and kids at this age. Because they are they understand that it is the thing that you need to buy stuff yes. and that it has value. Yes, Like that's do. a thing that they get. Mm-hmm. Wu has a money collection, which is just, you know, random coins and like including some foreign coins and arcade tokens and <laughs> other things like that. But also some genuine USD. You know what I mean? Just a couple American gold eagle coins, yeah, if you know what I mean. <laughs> that's my guy. We hide him in a jar. <laughs> oh, gosh. Yeah, I don't know. I think that was about it for me for the parenting aspects of this. Um yeah. I mean, you nailed it earlier talking about being shut into a house and that's really the, <laughs> yeah. the, the idea. I mean, the, the idea of there being no socialization of Alice never seeing another kid. I think that's every parent's genuine fear right oh, now. It legitimately is from the Facebook mom groups that I'm in. People are losing their minds and just my friends, my mom friends, people who are 
I would say the younger parents, parents of younger children are straight up freaking out. My kid needs this. My kid needs that. And almost every expert that I've heard is like, your child needs so little besides play and your attention, like your connection, I should say, not your attention, your connection. And I I really have not been worried about the kids' socialization. And maybe I should be thinking more about that, but they demonstrate to me that they're okay, you know? So I imagine if you have a kid who's like so freaked out that they, you know, run away from anybody who is coming near them, or if you have somebody who's so starved for the socialization and so unhappy because of it, because of the lack of it, then yeah, of course. Like I'm not saying that those fears are not valid. Are not valid. It's just that it's going to be okay. It really is. Socialization, I don't think, is what we should be worried about. If you had a child with certain unmet needs, like we have a couple friends who are therapists and they are still working and doing Zoom calls and everything. And it's hard. Like a teacher friend of ours was saying, like, you really don't, you don't see that these kids, their their needs are being met. Teachers are working so hard and so creatively. Like services are getting to kids. It is difficult right mm-hmm. now, but like it's happening. You just don't see it. You don't see it because you're not, you know. You're probably not in need of those yeah. services. Because I think that the people who are worried about socialization mm-hmm. are not worried about other things. And that could be a gross generalization on my part, but that's what I've seems to me to be the case. Yeah. I was even saying that to a friend earlier today, that it just feels like for all the things that everyone worries about us not being able to get back to. I have no fear that socialization will be one of those things, either for kids or adults. And any of that stuff, that kind of gets back to your money point, is us reflecting our own anxieties onto our kids and them absorbing that stuff. Yeah. Because if you run the opposite direction anytime you see someone in a mask or without, if you don't still encourage your kids to wave hi to your neighbors from across the street or a safe distance or whatever else, I'm Mm -hmm. not saying go shoulder to shoulder with someone else, but like they should be, you should still interact with your community. It's important to do it and like do what you can to like get them that thing. Even if it's brief, even if it is a FaceTime with a, with a buddy, especially as people who had, who's all of our fam, the vast majority of our family lives in other parts of the country. So a lot of their lives already have been spent over FaceTime and how meaningful that time actually is. Like it actually is a great connector. They love their grandparents and aunts and uncles and cousins and everything else. Yeah. And they know who they are. And when they see them in person, they are joyous and Mm -hmm. connected to them. Even if it maybe takes a little bit to warm up, that's obviously perfectly normal as well. And that's always been the case and that's not going to be any different whenever the next time we're able to physically be in the same space with them i'm i'm not concerned with that and i do think people need to hey don't worry about an alice here it's the difference michael alstrom it's the difference between physical distancing and social distancing am i right the ulster homes return (laughs) (laughs) yeah it truly is it's like you can still be social in these augmented ways But since we don't have a ton to say about 
parenting in this issue, I want to give you uh, scary good stuff that might help you out in these trying times. Ooh, let's hear it. It's actually another podcast slash Instagram account or however you want to get your info these days. That's up to you. I'm not telling you to subscribe to anybody you don't want to, but... Yeah, if you're going to spend an hour and a half listening to someone this week, better be it should us. be us. <laughs> but um, I just got turned on to this new... Well, it's not new. It's new to me. Um, this podcast called Upbringing. It's two moms, Hannah and Kelty. They are twins. And I didn't know that going into it. It was very, very strange looking at their Instagram account because I was like, they do look alike, right? Like they they look really alike because one has red hair and one has blonde hair. Right. And then you're like, oh, they look the same. Yeah. One just has red hair and one has blonde hair. They <laughs> clearly did it for themselves. Right. And they obviously sound a lot alike on the podcast, which is which is fine. I'm sure as I listen, I will probably get better at telling them apart, but maybe not. Um, anyway, they're rye based. They're very much like Janet Lansbury's approach, respectful parenting, but it's it's just another another voice in in the, the echo chamber that you need in order to build your arsenal. I feel of of tools and uh, and a script really. They provide a lot of things like what you could say instead of yeah. I those find have been great. yeah. You've shared some of those with me and just those side by sides. Uh, yeah. Say this instead of that. You maybe feel you think your child is feeling or expressing this when it's probably this other thing. Yeah. And they do a great thing with sibling um, conflict. And that has been very good for me um, in these quarantine days, just seeing sibling conflict as valuable. And I'm totally stealing from them. These are not my insights. It's just, uh, reframing sibling conflict as valuable as a means for connection it is been so good for me and for them but let's not discount that it's good for you as a parent because it is so draining to be a referee and not a coach you know it it happens like you're low on energy and you're going to start doing these things that you don't want to do so anyway, that's been great. I will link to that and, and share that with you all. And my limited exposure to it, I've also noticed that they emphasize a certain amount of self-care where I don't feel like that really enters into Janet Lansbury's approach or responses to anything, which seems right. like an unfortunate. It feels like Janet Lansbury is very removed from like the day-to-day yes. active part of being a parent. Mm-hmm. She she's an author. You know. Her her kids are like grown up now, and yeah. Hannah and Kelty of upbringing have between them a three, four, five, and six year old, if I'm not mistaken, wow. or in that range. They have they have young children right now, and they've it seems like they've come from a place of you know having bad habits and then learning about this stuff. Like they're not like early childhood experts mm-hmm. or professionals, but they I think they have like gotten their education as they've been parents, right? Cool. So yeah. anyway, so that's been really great. It's been helping me a lot. I'll share it with you. Okay. Wait, should we should we rate this movie? Let's rate the movie. Okay. Um, Carol, how many skull rings do you give uh 
this, the people under the stairs, out of ten skull rings, one for each finger. <laughs> as you're wearing right now, as we sit across from each other. <laughs> I... These are your nighttime bedtime skull rings, to be clear. I'm going to give this five out of ten. Okay. Because I didn't, I didn't love it and it wasn't scary to me, but... I appreciated it. It wasn't bad. I'm not mad at this movie. I'm, I'm have Z's all the way on this. Mm-hmm. Um, how many skull rings do you give the movie? Yeah, it's I mean it's 63% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes, and I I feel that I'll give it six out of ten. Same thing. Like, hey, if someone says this is like one of their favorite horror movies, I guess sure. It's like it's like fun and weird. It's insane. It's completely insane. And I want to know how those people feel about Rottweilers because the oh. dog was the scariest part and I didn't like that. I That was a big factor in my five out of 10. The dog was utilized as a fear tactic for so much of this movie. There's so much chasing. Mm-hmm. There's so much biting. And I felt so sad for the four dogs that played Prince. And um, I believe there was at least one shot that you see what looked to me like it was supposed to represent many princes. There was a photo of Prince, which I believe may have represented a dead one. And there was some, a bunch of collars or leashes (laughs) or something that to me also indicates like they probably, there's a churn of dogs in this household that. I guess in that way, it's an effective tool of fear, but I, I just, I don't know. I, I used to be afraid of dogs as a child, and I don't think that that would ever happen in a movie now. I feel like that's a really like 80s, 90s thing. I think you're right. Yeah. It's just not done. It also feels like even guard dogs, not as much of a thing in the home these days. It feels like a weird... It was weird to rely on it as much as they did. And it is just Yeah, and like sad. breaking through walls and like... <laughs> yeah, it's like, like super dog that isn't Cujo or whatever. <laughs> yeah. So if this is your favorite horror movie, tell me how you feel about Rottweilers. And if you are scared of them... Mm-hmm. Love them or hate them, tell us <laughs> in the comments. And okay, the kids in this movie. Mm. How many... Now, this is going to be so obvious what I say, right? Because this is such a big part of the movie. How many handmade voodoo dolls? Oh, great. Now you're making me rate the kids on gimp suit scale, so this is better. No, I say this completely sarcastically <laughs> because there is this whole voodoo doll thing that never, ever, ever comes to play right. at all. That are so clearly voodoo dolls. Right, and... As far as like, are you just throwing a bunch of red herrings at us? You know, like if they if they had done one or two more of those kind of tropey things, I would have been like, that is really funny. Right. There's it's like throwing the kitchen sink of horror tropes (laughs) at this thing. So um, uh, since there were definitely uh, less than five, I can't give it more than can't give you more than five to pick from. How many homemade voodoo dolls out of five do you give the kids? I like the kids in this movie. I thought Alice, I thought Alice was creepy. Like if Alice turned out to be a ghost or something, <laughs> throw that twist in there. She was dead the whole time. Um, sure. Believable in this scenario. 
still resourceful. I appreciate the resourcefulness of kids. I like they're given real uh, what felt like as much as an hour and 40 minutes going to give these kids an inner life, inner lives. Um, Don't forget it is uh, Rayanne's film debut. Holy cow. Mm -hmm. Good for her. And I thought Poindexter was great. He deserves all of the child stardom that he had. And uh, I would say, yeah, I mean, why not give them like four out of five? Yeah. I'm super into it. Yeah. He would have made a great Haley Joel Osmond in Sixth Sense, but that was eight years later, Josh. People were not ready for that twist. Oh, my God. Okay. Oh, if he was dead the whole time. Oh, no, wait. No, no he was it, the kid Alan, in it. I've never seen The Sixth Sense. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, um, okay. Yeah. All right. Sorry. I Great. guess that was a little convoluted. But. No, you're right. He would have been like 22 by the time. <laughs> no, I just mean that audience weren't, audiences, audiences weren't ready for the for twist. Ryan it's too late for a twist for me. It's too late for sarcasm. It is. Oh, my God. It's Four so out of five voodoo dolls. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. Rating? They were great. Even the 27-year-old Roach, though it would have been really great to be Hillary Swank. It was all, all great kids. All great, even the adults. Well, we all know that Wes Craven used up all his voodoo magic in The Serpent and the Rainbow. So as we move on from that, Tell me about that sequel pitch that you mentioned for Uh, the people under the stairs. Yes, yes, yes. Okay, so to make to really drive home the class disparity and all the really deep, meaty themes of this film, in the sequel, I would have the mutilated teens come back and try to get the gold back. Like there's some sort of curse on this gold Mm. and they are either bound to it in some way or they just are, they think it's theirs. They, they, they feel it's owed to them. And in that way, it would be this, like the scorned white man kind of like the, the failed millionaire theme. Right. So like they come back and they think it's theirs and in the twist, it's Alice like leading the pack, right? Because she's crazy. Because she can't come out of this normal. She, no, 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 like, no. She went out and experienced the wide world. Mm-hmm. She'd never met a neighbor. Yeah. Didn't know what the neighborhood was. And she, it, and she's kind of like behind the scenes, the mastermind of, you know, and unfortunately, they're still the victims. Yeah. They, they still are being led around by the white person in charge, you know, like blaming the minorities for their problems and trying to get the money it okay it needs some it needs to be I flushed like it. out I mean, but no that's that is a cool idea i thought you were gonna go full-on like goonies but with these like <laughs> zombie dudes but i think this that's that's great like that's a good way to expand mm-hmm. the messaging and make it modern yeah and, and they're all older yeah like they're grown adults now um yeah, do you have a do you have anything? Gosh, I never even thought about it. I like no, I was made it shorter. Um, no, I mean, oh, I mean, the cool thing is Bill Cobbs, who's the grandfather, great character actor, 
right? He was, he has a cool, he his like weird appearance in this movie. He does reveal that there's basically an urban legend around the family of the, right. You know, of the mommy and daddy that like that, it's basically always been known like, sure, we may have to rent from these people, but like stay the hell away from this family. They're crazy. Like he knew exactly what was happening in the house, but just sort of like, well, never proved it. But like, this mm. is always what everyone's known. You, you could totally do a prequel. Yeah. Cause I think seeing a, like a transformation and more of the funeral home aspect of it and maybe just find out like what, why did it fall into disrepair? Oh my God. <laughs> like giving every single tropey unnecessary thing like gravity solid and, like yeah, <laughs> it has to have grounding and it has to be socially relevant <laughs> oh my god and then then when you watch people under the stairs they're like oh my god <laughs> the voodoo doll <laughs> the trick spice cabinet is it a is a great metaphor for yeah. the burden mass now, incarceration <laughs> that is that's it um yep that would be mine Oh, Gears man. would be successful. No, I, I love a prequel. I really do. I love the idea of a prequel. Well, listen, don't be a creep. Get in touch. Come check us out on the web at mummyxdaddy.com. Any of the things we've talked about in today's episode will be available as links thereupon. We, you can also email us at mummyxdaddy at gmail.com. We are on Twitter and Facebook at mummyxdaddy. Or on Instagram at mummyxdaddypod. You can leave us a voicemail at 818-839-1991. If you like what you hear, please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. Tell a friend. Our theme music is by Kyle Andrews. Our logo was designed by Dara Weinberg. Maggie Spaulding is the gorgeous, renovated basement of your childhood dreams. Bye. Bye. I don't want to see another cop or cookie in my life. I don't know which one makes me sicker. May they burn in hell. Forever and ever.